Hello, this is Dr. Nancy O'Reilly, and I would like to welcome you to Smart Amazing Conversations with Dr. Nancy, a podcast that takes a look at stories of life and leadership for smart, amazing women and men like you. The most important thing is showing up. Don't think that you have to bring anything. Bring yourself, show up, and and remain steadfast and be a... If you are in a position of leadership and a position of management, bring women along with you. Supporting women is my passion and my purpose. And talking with other women and men who promote women's leadership is one of my favorite things to do. I've yet to meet a woman who did not know what she really wanted. She was just either afraid to ask the questions or she was afraid of what the answers meant. Their stories connect us and help us to understand that the possibilities are endless if we support each other and lift other women up. Trust is created by persistent identity. I show up as myself time and time and time again. And trust is built. It's one conversation at a time. Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy O'Reilly. And I'm happy to welcome Kelly Thompson to Smart Amazing Conversations with Dr. Nancy. Kelly is a women's leadership coach and speaker and who helps women advance in the rooms where decisions are made. After more than a decade of working in senior leadership roles in financial services and tech organizations, where she was one of the few women in the room, she found out about mastermind groups. She attended and discovered that what she'd been missing in her career and the confidence and the support of other women, which is key. Now, Kelly has coached and trained hundreds of women to trust themselves, lead with more confidence, and and create a career they love. She founded the Clarity and Confidence Women's Leadership Program and won the Stevie Award for the Women in Business Coach of the Year. She has also written a book on leadership she vowed she would never write, and it's due out in the fall, and uh, we're getting a sneak preview, and it's called Closing the Confidence Gap, Boost Your Peace, Your Potential, and Your Paycheck. So I'm pleased to welcome Kelly to Smart Amazing Conversations with me, and so happy you're with me, and good morning or good afternoon wherever you are. Oh, thank you so much for having me and that wonderful introduction. Well, you're very welcome. So this is a sneak preview. So these are very lucky people to be able to uh, to get the heads up and get a few of the tidbits that they're going to be able to buy uh, this book when it comes out in the fall, which is very, very exciting. And, you know, the book is really good. You thank you, you sent me the draft. I don't, I don't have the – you'll have to send me the real copy when it comes I out. Will. And have it signed. So I know you're confident that you will sign that and write some wonderful things about me. No, I'm kidding. Anyway. Yes, I will. Use your hashtag <laughs> that you've got on LinkedIn. All hashtag yes, amazing Dr. Nancy. All right. No, anyway. Now, uh, you know, confidence is really key for most women. And uh, we're going to get into this. But, you know, I, I want to talk about your story because I think mm-hmm. this is what I found. And I've been doing, I've been in women's leadership for forever, you know, and I've been, uh, I've been down all those roads that you've talked about have been down those, those pitfalls and the monster imposter syndrome and all that stuff. And, and there was really nothing out there when I began. So, Mm -hmm. so a lot of what was created was seat of the pants and of course, experiential. And this is what it's about is women that have been there, done that and have found their voices and have found the confidence and they've found the abilities that, and realized the talents they've always had 
mm-hmm. and, and starting to share that because women need to support other women. By the way, that's Women Connect for Good's mission. It's the only mission to support the passion, the drive, and women of all kinds supporting other women. That's what we do. And this is this is what I do, period. So I'm here to support you. But tell me your story. You know, why, who am I talking to today? You didn't get here by yourself because women, see, women would look at you. And the first thing I saw when I saw your pictures, I went, oh, she's beautiful. She's smart. She's got it all together. And things must be so easy for her. But mm-hmm. but we all know we have gone, we've all had our journeys and been down our different paths. So what was your path and your journey to bring us to the to the person that I'm talking to today? Yeah, it's such a good question. You know, I did what a lot of women did. I, I followed all the rules. You know, my family of origin, just like everybody's family of origin, has a lot of rules that you should follow. Like um, I grew up in a very small town, Midwestern Catholic family. Mm-hmm. And it was you know, you better go to college because, you know, you want to get a good job and, you know, go find a job that pays solid pay and benefits so that you never have to worry. And you you should get married young while you have energy. And I mean, just everybody's family, you know, or culture has given them some rules. So like a good box checker, I just checked off all those boxes like you would not believe. And I got married when I was 23, divorced when I was 30. I went into financial services because you know, I got my degree and, oh, here's a good, clean job where I can dress up every day. And, you know, I never really stopped to ask myself, is this what I want? Or am I just kind of following along some rules? And so when you talk about confidence, it was all of that rule following that led me to, you know, sitting in like a gray conference room one day. <laughs> you know, we've all been in those all day meetings where like they just last forever. And I still remember it was dragging on into the afternoon and I was getting so annoyed because we were hearing from the same voices over and over and over again. I was like, oh man. And so we get a bathroom break and I go into the stall and I'm like, why am I so annoyed? And one of the things I started to realize was, oh, you know, most of the voices we're hearing in this room are from men. Now, banking is a very male, was still is a very male dominated industry. And I kind of got mad. I'm like, well, why aren't any of the women speaking up? And it's almost as if the bathroom walls echoed and they were like, well, you could speak up. And this is when a lot of the imposter syndrome kind of started to come to me. It was like, oh, I can't speak up. I don't have enough experience, even though I'd been there 10 years. I need to make sure that if I do share the idea that people won't think it's stupid. I know I need more blank. I mean, there was just so much more. I need more blank before I feel confident and ready to speak up. And I wish I could tell you that I walked back into that room and I like changed everything and I spoke up. Nope, I didn't. I slithered back in that room and I changed nothing. And you hit the nail on the head, Dr. Nancy, when you said we we almost just didn't have language for it then. And I didn't. I didn't have language for what I was feeling like doubt, insecurity, imposter syndrome. I just kind of fought against this for a long time in corporate as I continue to follow all the rules And, you know, as I started to unravel a lot of those rules that, you know, maybe being in banking isn't for me, you know, maybe I need to really pay attention to what I want to do. And then as I went into entrepreneurship and was surrounded by more women, not only did it help foster my interests, which helped my confidence, but I started to learn some tools and even just having the language for what that was, the doubt and imposter syndrome was, was healing in and of itself. So, so that's kind of how I got here. I spent, um, about, you know, 12 years in, well, 14 years in banking total. I spent about three years in technology, about three years at a leadership consulting company. And then I started my own practice in 2019 and 
and here we are. I'm married and have a 16-year-old daughter. So, but that that's another podcast. Congratulations. Thank well, you. I'll just share a couple things because it really does reflect in your book. It was interesting to me. Uh, the more I achieved, the more I wanted, the more I wanted to improve. I mean, I, I've always been in the helping profession. So I, mm-hmm. I got my master's in counseling and I got my doctorate in, in clinical psychology. But it was interesting. The, the more I advanced, the more I achieved, the less support I got from women, the less, mm-hmm. the less I received. And, and, and it was interesting because one of the things that I heard when I was achieving and working on, on my career in the helping profession was, who do you think you are? Mm-hmm. And, and it was like, well, what do you mean? Who do, we th- who do I think you are? You know, it's like, who does she think she is? You know, is she, and I wasn't bragging and I wasn't talking about, I was excited about the work I was doing and the people I was working with, but I was actually shocked at the response that I received from, from people, not only people I knew, but also family members, people close to me. And it was like, Boy, there's something really wrong here that that we've got we've got to really take a look at. I started doing these uh, podcasts oh, almost uh, 20 years ago. So I guess I could say I'm, I'm kind of a founder and it kind of a, you know been out there creating. But I'm, I was talking. We were doing a telephone conversation, and uh, I was asking, "We'll call her Mary." And I said, "Mary, how can I help?" You know, she had a new book just like you. And I said, "Mary, how can I help you?" You know, boy, this is a great book. We'd really like to find ways to support you. And the phone, it sounded like the phone, the call had dropped. And I finally went, Mary, are you still there? And she said, and this little voice came back. And that's when I knew I had to do what I'm doing. She goes, you mean you want to help me? Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what I want to do. And that's what I've been doing ever since. But in that whole essence, I've been helping myself. As a psychologist, I know that many of the things that we get involved in and many things we do really has to do with a lot of our own <laughs> our own, our own stuff. But yeah. uh, this, this book definitely resonates for me and brings takes me back to uh, uh, many, many times in my own life and career that, you know, it, it's just it, women need to step back and really rethink. And I think for the longest time, we thought it was all the men's problem. But I don't think it's the men's problem. I think it's the women's problem. Of course, we need the male support. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We've got to support each other. But I really think until women actually support each other and really lift each other up, and I'll ask you to join the Lift Women Up campaign before we're over. But mm-hmm. when, until we do that, we're not going to get anywhere. We can complain yeah. and we can be upset about it and we can point fingers but it's not going to do us any good until we actually come up with the tools and the community of women who say, here, I'm here for you. Mm-hmm. You can help me and I can help you. What's the biggest thing that women don't do that you that you see? Yeah, you're making an excellent point. And I always believe it's a, it's a both-and approach. We, by nature, work in a very patriarchal environment. Why? The workplace was created by men when women stayed home. For men, yeah. by men, and right, and so there's still just some patriarchal norms that we need to make sure, um, you know, that we're always evaluating, evaluating unconscious bias, how the workplaces are structured for women, and, you know, um, and I'll, I'll answer your question here in a second. You know, I think that one of the things that needs to change is I think we need to see more women in leadership because you Absolutely. you hit a really important point about Absolutely. it feels like a competition. Well, well you know what? when there only has been one seat at the table. Of course, it's created competition. And I think that's the nature of the patriarchal structure and that it almost reinforces, hey, you can compete for one spot. But I think when we can start to change our mindsets as women 
and as men in society that you know growth actually makes a bigger table and that you know just because one woman gets a spot doesn't mean it's the only spot it means that you know companies who have more women in senior leadership do better financially so there's gonna it's going to create a bigger table that there's not just this little scarcity little piece of the pie so i think that's yeah, step one yeah. it's both ends it's recognizing there's there's inherent bias and patriarchal structures and two, let's also as women, and I'll just give you my own example. I had to examine my own issues with scarcity. I mean, just by nature of who I am as a person, um, maybe it was my Catholic upbringing. I don't know. I always just kind of had a scarcity mindset, <laughs> even, even in corporate. I remember thinking, oh, she gets that promotion. That's it for me. You know, I always kind of maybe unconsciously had this thing where um, I had to unlearn that like. I wasn't a victim of someone else's success. No, because she was promoted, she's creating more opportunities for women. So I'm just willing to share my own story that I had to confront my own issues with scarcity mindset. And that um, just because there is a, a woman being promoted at the table or having success doesn't mean that it's eliminating success. Like a rising tide lifts all ships. And I can honestly say that you know, since I have dedicated more resources to helping women, I wrote the book I needed to read, you know, I thought maybe other women yeah. needed to read yeah. it too. It's just created more and more and more and not less. And so I think that that is probably my number one tip is like, let's just, let's just check in if we've got any scarcity mindsets running. Cause it's really the opposite. The more women are promoted, the more we create for other women. Yeah. The, the research, the, the research shows over and over again, the companies that have women in top leadership role, uh, roles are doing better. And, yes. and we know that the companies that are more diverse and have more women mm -hmm. in leadership roles are financially doing better. Yes. And, and it's interesting because I think of a company that there, there's you have your customers in outside the company, but you also have your customers inside the company. Mm -hmm. So the, the companies that we're seeing that are more diverse and have more women in top leadership roles are, are healthier inside and then those five people will tell five more people how great a company they work for, just like they would tell five customers outside the company how good that company is to buy from whatever product or service they have. So, I mean, we, we don't seem to understand that uh, we can rule the market if we really understand the dynamics of working together and being compatible and really lifting one another up. Well, you know, for me, this this is what I would do in, in the women's conferences. And I would stop very and just quietly look around the room and I would ask, do you support other women? Mm. And I was always surprised to see the number of women that would look down or look around. I knew just by what they were doing is they didn't, mm -hmm. you know. And so we, we, we find this until we make uh, create this awareness and this ongoing awareness and, and like you said, you went in, you spent time with other women leaders, women that could teach you some tools and some, mm -hmm. some things to assist you in your career. And then you also developed a support system, a network. Yes. And, and this is something women are not good at. Men are good at networks. Men are good at collaborating. They're good at, at you know, the good old boy uh, club. And I would argue, and I argued this in my book, that men yeah. are just by default in a network because they're already in the rooms where decisions are made. They don't have to try that hard. They're already at the top. They already are in the CEOs clubs or they're already, you know, my, I used to joke because I was talking about what my book was with my father-in-law and he's trying to understand it and understand leadership training. And so I asked him, I said, well, how did you get your leadership training? And he goes, at the bar after work. 
Like that just kind of goes to show <laughs> yeah, you that play, networks playing are just golf, there. you know, <laughs> playing golf, watching sports. Yeah, yes. no, they've had that, mm-hmm. but we, we women don't understand that. We're worried about people liking us, being nice, as you said, your good Catholic background, and bring uh, you're bringing into you know you you were following the rules, you were doing all the right things. So you know, confidence is also being yourself, being authentic. And I, I love the way you talk about you know the values and the purposes. And I think this this is important for everyone to understand. What do you value about yourself? What are what really what do you really want? You know, what's what do you think really is the greatest barrier that women create for themselves right now? Mm, that's such a good question. You know, I would say the greatest barrier that um, they create for themselves, reflecting on my clients, is thinking that because the workplace has always been as it was that they can't make it different. And so they're almost just like a sense of learned helplessness. Like I want to get promoted and I want to accelerate my career, but I can't work the hours that the people in those jobs work. And it's really saying, you know what? Like as women leaders, we're not going to recreate the workforce if we just go and get promoted into those high roles and then just do everything as it's always been done. No, like you, you have a choice to do something different. And I encourage all of my clients to say, as you accelerate into leadership, I want you to think about what you stand for, what your values are, because I believe that we can change the world by changing the workplaces. And as women accelerate into leadership, we can change workplaces when women have the courage to lead in alignment with their values and create the workplace that they actually want to work for and not just like move up the chain and just kind of do what's always been done. And I would think, I think honestly, that's the biggest barrier is now more than ever in society because of the pandemic and everything happening. Women have the opportunity to say, no, this is the workplace that I want to create. And I think people are ready for it. Before COVID, one of the fastest growing businesses in the in the country were women-owned businesses. Mm-hmm. But I think that's changed because so many women left the workforce to take care of families because the, they didn't have the resources otherwise. You know, one of the things in your book I really, really like, because I love Daniel Amen, Dr. Daniel Amen. He's one of my favorite. I've trained with him. Mm-hmm. I've studied with him. But he talks about the woman being the absolute perfect leader. Could you mm-hmm. explain that? Because I think that is... That's that's it in a nutshell. If women understood Amen's philosophy and understanding uh-huh. about women and the women, the woman's brain, because mm-hmm. it, it's all about the brain, yes. then women would go, "Yeah, I've already had. I have this stuff. I've had it all along. With why well, I've been, why have I been hiding it?" So explain that. I will. So um, Dr. Daniel Amen ha- says that a woman's brain is wired for leadership. And so if you read into Eamon's work and in his research, which I'm reading his, his book uh, for women right now, and you know he basically says that women have been raised to just be more naturally in tune intuitively. We pick up on other people's cues more readily. We pick up on those subtle kind of like hunches more intuitively. You know, it's just who we've been raised as a species. And now that we are, um, you know, seeing more of us in the work place, it's the perfect time because the workplace is not just demanding widgets anymore. The workplace needs to be more personal. And as the newer generations of employees are coming up in the workplace and saying, hey, you know, I don't, I want to work from anywhere. I want things to be flexible. You know, it's really interesting. Lean In and McKenzie just released the Women in the Workplace report. And they said that women 
really led well during the pandemic. Why? Because they were in touch intuitively with the needs of the organizations and they had more success running, you know, employee resource groups, DEI, DEI initiatives, because like Dr. Daniel Amen says, it's wired for leadership. It's wired intuitively and emotionally to pick up on all of these subtle cues that were so important during the pandemic, that yeah. emotional intelligence, and it made them wonderful leaders. And I think that the future of work is going to demand more of that. It's going to demand more intuitive and emotional intelligence. And hey, guess we we got a leg up so that we got that going for us, according well, to him. So I think I think we've always had it. I think that's just the point we've had and we just haven't used it. But mm-hmm. you know, I love I love trusting your gut. I'm not gonna I'm 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 jumping all over the place because that's okay. I because I want people to be excited about this book, but trusting your gut mm-hmm. is something when this goes along with Amen's mm-hmm. uh, research is that tr- trusting your gut is important. By the way, the cells in the stomach <clears throat> in the in the stomach and different areas and, and the gut have brain have cells that are similar to brain cells. So, you know, this is why, you know, people that have ulcers or they have some other physical uh, problem because of stress or whatever is because those cells are also listening and, they, and there's an emotional response that's occurring right and left. And so women... Uh, heads up on that. We've already got a head start on it too, is that we do understand if we trust our gut and use our intuitions and we do it with our families, we can do it in our communities and we can do it in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, we can't, we can do anything. Mm-hmm. We can do absolutely anything. Yeah. I, I tell all my clients, the most important thing is trusting your gut because it's really easy and I've done it to just kind of fall in line with what you think you should do to take well-meaning career advice when you're sitting in the boardroom, look around and default to the numbers or what the majority says, but it is so important at the end of the day to trust your gut. I, I say in the book and, and they'll read that, but your body is so trustworthy. It knows what's right for you, you know, in terms of your yes and your no, because it, it's kind of where your values live. Our values are the language, but our gut is kind of just the the barometer, the CEO of what's right and what's wrong. Like I said, you, you told a couple of different stories in the book about different women, but they knew it wasn't the right thing because their body didn't feel the right thing. Mm-hmm. Their body did not feel comfortable. And we, and you and I both know when we make decisions that really are based on on probably either information we don't really have or understand or we're making a quick decision and we don't feel good about it, it's usually because it wasn't the right decision to make. Mm-hmm. And, but again... We, that's why there's erasers on pencils. Women can make mistakes and we can go, go back and we can make mistakes and we can learn from them. That's the other thing. You know, women, the superwoman teacher, go, oh God, if anybody realizes that, you know, I've got, I, I can make mistakes. I'm in big, big trouble. But like I said, the imposter syndrome, the imposter monster, but trusting our values, trusting our gut. This is what this book is about. Mm -hmm. And then last but not least, I'm going to talk about one that's really, really important, I think, for women especially, especially right now, because this really is a market to, we want to get women back to work. Mm -hmm. And this is important. But this is a time that women need to learn to negotiate salaries Mm -hmm. and have a better relationship with money. And, uh, you know, I love money. I have no trouble with money. And I, I I see money as a tool. I see money as a vehicle. And when women begin to understand that, they will start to go, wait a minute, this is what I deserve. And this is what I'm worth. But that goes back to the whole issue of value, self-worth, and the confidence to understand that money is a vehicle. 
It's strictly a vehicle to have the quality of life that you want for yourself, your family, or are being to help in your own community. So how do we get women to have a better relationship with money? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So I say in the book is we just need to talk about money. Like money should be as easy to talk about as, as the weather because guys talk about it. Negotiating too, the salaries. Yes. Yes. So when it comes to, to negotiating salaries, you know, I really lean on all my time spent as an HR person. I've been on the opposite end of those conversations for, for years. And here's what I'll tell you. I'll tell you a couple of things, a couple of HR secrets. Um, when we're talking about money, when we're talking to you about coming in to work for our organization, I'm ready to talk about money. And I want women to know that because I think even though they're walking into a job negotiation um, or applying for a job, they're still always like, oh, we got to talk about money. But like, no, the, the HR person is ready. Like, I'm ready to talk about money. And I want you to know that. And I'm ready for us to have some back and forth. And so what I would encourage women to do is first, like, do your research. There is so much out there now in terms of, you know, what jobs pay because so many states are making it mandatory to publish this data. Plus there's resources like payscale.com, glassdoor.com, where you can go in and kind of get a sense of what you should be making. And then, you know, just know that the recruiter, someone like me on the other end is like, we're ready. Like we know we're going to talk about money. It's not a secret, you know? And just know that like men just, they tend to ask for, I believe it's, they negotiate their salary four times more than women. And when they do negotiate, they start at a higher number. Like, I don't want you to look at the job requirements and say, oh, because I don't meet every single bullet, I'm going to rationalize a little bit lower ask. Uh-uh. Men don't do that. They don't. It's called, so, on, it's called on the job training and men know that. Yeah, they, know, they don't do that. They know that they don't have 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 the two two doctors and they don't have that business experience. They know it's on the job training and they know that there's people that are going to help them along the way. They know exactly. That. They thought the job looked cool, so they applied. Like that's literally <laughs> what they do. And so um, research the ask. And once you know the range, and once you've had a conversation with the recruiter at the range, do not rationalize a lower salary offer. I want you to list all the successes you've had in your career. And how those success, not all of them, but the key successes you've had in your career and how those successes will deliver value to your new organization and ask for what you deserve. Because I promise you, your male counterparts are, you're probably already underpaid a little bit. So don't use your current salary as an anchor because it's probably already a little bit less than a man's if the, if the stats are all correct, especially if you're a woman of color. And I want you to ask for what you deserve. Yeah. And they're all already asking for benefits and what the benefits are, what the time off is, what's the, when, when can I be promoted? I mean, they're already asking mm-hmm. key questions that women are just saying, oh, I'm just so glad you gave me the job. I'm so glad you <laughs> offered it to you're, me. You're going to give me the job. And I'm, oh, I'm so excited. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I was, uh, I, I realized I was working in healthcare. Also, I was working in healthcare and I was the director of an EAP. And I found out what other people were making. And it just infuriated me, you know, but uh, I was a psychologist in this, this healthcare organization and the men were making more than the women. And and it was, it was almost like, well, that's just the way it is. And, and that's the way, that's the only, the only people that are going to change that are are us. Nobody else is going to do that for us. Nobody else is going to be that, do it for us. And it has to start today. But today the market is looking for great people. Uh, companies are want to get back to, to some kind of new normal or whatever they're, you know, at least better business. Uh, you know, everybody's short staffed right now. Everybody is working from, you know, whatever. But uh, so this is the time for women to really start thinking about what, what do you want? 
because mm-hmm. believe me, you are valuable. You deserve everything that you want and you need to go after it and you need to negotiate it and you need to go buy this book. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. And I tell organizations too, like my clients, people who I talk to, they're looking to see if you have women in leadership and you have a diverse leadership, not just women, but people of color in your leadership team. And they will go and they will look at the about you section. And if you have an all white male leadership team, they are going to say, or maybe just one woman, the token HR person, they're saying thanks, but no thanks. And they're not even applying at your organization. So what you just said is twofold. If you want more women in leadership, you have to have women in leadership or they're just passing right on by. Because I can tell you the companies who are valuing diversity, flexibility, catering to all the needs of people who've been impacted the most by the pandemic do not have a talent yeah. type of problem. Well, let's let's face it. The 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 sharp, the newest are coming up and they, they don't want to work with people that look like themselves and act like themselves. They don't want to be with a bunch of old white guys. There's no doubt about it. You know, that's not the company I'm going to go work for. Well, all right. I'm inviting you to join the Lift Women Up campaign. It's something that we've been doing for the last year. We just put our new list out in January of 52 things, 52 weeks of women lifting one another up. Mm -hmm. So if every woman that you know, including yourself, as you rise, if you lifted somebody else as you you went up the the chain of whatever, of, of, of excelling in your career, and you lifted another woman up, just think what the world would be like. Mm Yes. But we start we start with small small little uh, behaviors and then we keep building on those. So uh, we will get you some information about the Lift Women Up campaign and hopefully you will put that in in some of your uh, tools. Yes. For women that you talk with and coaches, because if we don't do that, we're going to continue to behind the be behind the eight ball, and we can't do that. The time is really really now. We've got this. We have this. Challenge, I'm challenging everyone to say, this is the time. Mm-hmm. We, we can take advantage of COVID. I mean, for me, COVID has been a wonderful opportunity to really determine what I do want to do and who I want to do it with. And mm-hmm. everybody else, I don't care. You know, yes. it's like you, you can go by the wayside. We, mm-hmm. we need to really know who's, who's, where that community is coming from and what we're building to, to really make this world a better place. So Absolutely. Well, Kelly, this is a great book. I got. A, I was excited to have the preview. So, um, how do they learn more about you, your coaching, your book, and how they can continue to strive and thrive in their own careers? Absolutely. So, my website is kellyraythompson.com. I'm Kelly with an I and Ray with an E. Um, the book is also linked on there, or you can just go straight to closingtheconfidencegap.com forward slash book, and that'll take you right to the book information. And so on my website, they can learn all about, like I said, the book, they can learn about my private coaching programs, my speaking programs, and my group, group, group coaching programs. So I'm all there. I'm also on LinkedIn and Instagram at Kelly Ray Thompson. Fantastic. Well, I know this is a, this is going to be a successful book and you're going to just continue to uh, help women and support women. And that's why we'll continue to support and help you in any way we can also. Thank so you. it's Thank been delightful talking to you. Uh, send me that copy of the book mm-hmm. and I'd love to have your autograph. But, uh, have a wonderful day and I'll look forward to spending other times with you. Sounds great. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Nancy. If you enjoy these smart, amazing conversations, please subscribe, rate and review them on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. 
and read and enjoy more amazing stories in my books, In This Together, How Successful Women Support Each Other in Work and Life, and Leading Women, 20 Influential Women Share Their Secrets to Leadership, Business, and Life. Thank you for listening.